This episode of Backtalk is brought to you by longtime bitch media sponsor Gladrags, who bring you all the essentials for a safe, sustainable period. Learn about cloth pads and menstrual cups when you sign up for their newsletter at gladrags.com and be entered to win a mini cloth pad starter set. Make sure you tell them Backtalk sent you. Hello and welcome to Back Talk. This show is a conversation between two feminist people who care about pop culture. I'm Sarah Merck. I'm the online editor here at Bitch, so I spend all day reading the internet. And I'm Amy Lem, the associate editor, and I've spent all day editing film reviews. Each week on the show, we talk about pieces of pop culture that we think are interesting. Plus, we highlight one thing we read, saw, and heard this week, all for your listening pleasure. This week, we're changing up the format of the show just a bit. In past shows, we've talked about three top stories from the news. This week and onward, we're just going to talk about two pieces of pop culture so we can spend a little bit more time digging into each of them. Plus, before we get talking about the headline news, we're going to talk about a personal pop culture thought of the week, just something that happened this week that we personally care about. Sound good? Yep. Amy, you go first. What's your personal pop culture moment of the week thing? Well, it would be the NBA Finals. I'm super into it. The NBA Finals? Which which team are you rooting for? Uh, so it's the Golden State Warriors are playing Cleveland Cavaliers. And just because I am a Southern California baby, I like geographically have to root for the Golden State Warriors. Um, but I won't be mad if the Cavs win because I actually think LeBron James is a good guy. And I think that lots of folks like don't like him because he's had a few championship rings and and the way and because of the way he left um, Cleveland and then went to Miami and then left Miami and went back to Cleveland. But uh, I I mean in my heart of hearts I am rooting for the Warriors. But like I said I I won't be too upset because also another reason why I think LeBron James um, is interesting is because uh, he's a gifted athlete. But uh, if you contrast like his story with the two star players of the Golden State Warriors, he, I mean LeBron James was raised by a teen mom, and uh, you know working class background, and so I'm rooting for him in that respect. And then, whereas the two star players in the Golden State Warriors, like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, like, they both had pro NBA playing dads, so like they grew up on the court. And in the way, and in that way, I'm like like they they have their own skills and like they're doing their thing, but I will. I will always have a space in my heart for somebody who like, who grew up in a way where they didn't have access and fought their way so there. So even though he's a millionaire now, he's, <laughs> he's like, he's the underdog that you're rooting for? You know what it is? I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, NBA basketball is just about watching a bunch of multimillionaires chasing around an orange ball trying to put it through an orange hoop. But it's such a fun and engaging sport. I can't, I can't not watch it. Okay, well, the piece of pop culture in my life this week is that my parents mailed me my high school CD collection. They are cleaning out the garage, and they mailed me all of my CDs that I had in high school. It is mostly Weezer. Yeah. (laughs) I found on one of the CDs uh, was this burned CD, which is like a big deal in high school to burn a CD. And it said, the greatest CD ever burned. And so, of course, that was the first one that I listened to. I made it senior year in high school, and it was my 20 favorite songs of the time. And what was interesting listening through it, there's a bunch of different stuff on there. Um, There's some, like, Wes Anderson soundtrack stuff. There's that 
song from Donnie Darko that was like my like emo mantra for the year. I think you need to sing a couple bars because <laughs> I don't remember it's like, it. It's like, all around us are familiar faces, <laughs> worn out places, worn out faces. Anyway, um, so there's 20 songs on there. And what I realized as I was like listening to this this CD was that there are no women on this whole CD. I put together my 20 favorite bands on one CD, and the only woman on the whole album is Kim Deal, who's in the Pixies, or who was in the Pixies at that time. And she's the only one in there. And she's and in the Breeders, too. Yeah, she's also yeah. in the Breeders, who I didn't, I didn't know about them. And um, it's, it's just an interesting reflection because that issue, like women in music were not on my radar at all in high school. You know, I took whatever music people gave me or what I read about and got for free. And women weren't a part of that. It was when you just take sort of the 20 bands people hand to you as a teenager, it was all men. Um, oh, oh, the follies of youth. <laughs> the follies of youth. <laughs> okay, so let's start out with um, with coverage of Caitlyn Jenner. Amy, what's your what's what's on your mind? So uh, what happened was earlier this week, uh, Bob Costas, who's a sports journalist, um, he was on a radio show called The Dan Patrick Show, which is a sports talk show. And uh, they were talking about a few things, and then they got onto the subject of the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage, which is an award that they give out at the ESPYs. And the ESPYs is just kind of uh, this award show that the ESPN puts on to sell advertising. That's how I think about it. <laughs> and to recognize American heroes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, the thing about the Arthur Ashe Award is that, um, ostensibly, it's given to people who um, have shown, you know, like, courage or determination in some way and uh some of the past winners in the past three years well actually we should talk about who arthur ash was um he was a tennis player and he was the first black player to be selected to the u.s davis cup team and then he was he was the only black man to ever win singles title at wimbledon the u.s open and the australian open and when was he playing in the in the 70s and the 80s um I believe in the 70s, late 70s. And then he really spoke out for social causes, right? And this is like a big deal in tennis world, which is super white, which right. is pretty exclusionary at the time. Yeah, he came out against apartheid um, in, South Amer- in South Africa. And then um, he also uh, contracted uh, HIV AIDS from a blood transfusion. And he had to come out with that story as well. So I guess this ESPN created this award to like celebrate his legacy, um, but then all to, also to celebrate other people in the sports world and their legacy. So, like in the past um, few years, like last year, Michael Sam received the award, and he's um, a football player who came out while he was in college, and then I, and then kind of, I mean, he got drafted into the NFL, but isn't on an NFL team at, the, at present. He has that video that is like the most amazing, beautiful YouTube video of. Right. Of like the, the draft. Yes. And he, I think he's wearing like a pink polo shirt and him and his boyfriend are celebrating after he gets the call. Yeah. Um, but then he got, ended up getting cut from that team. Oh, I didn't even know he got cut. Yeah, he I just cut. I thought this was a heartwarming story. No. And so but but that's that's the point is that like this this award doesn't necessarily mean that like you have to be um, like the best athlete ever to win it. It's also to celebrate other parts of who you are. I mean, for example, in 2009, the award was given to Nelson Mandela. Um, so what happened was Bob Costas was on the show, on the Dan Patrick show, and Dan Patrick asked him about the Arthur Ashe Award and how this year it's being given to Caitlyn Jenner. And uh, Bob Costas said that 
uh, quote, he, he feels that it is a crass exploitation play. It's a tabloid play. Um, and then he said, in the broad world of sports, I'm pretty sure they could have found someone. And this is not against anything against Caitlyn Jenner, who is much closely, co- closer actively involved in sports, who would have been deserving of what that were, award represents. Uh, so it's this is pretty messed up to say because then Costas is downplaying um, the fact that Caitlyn Jenner was an incredible athlete back in the day when she won the gold medal in the decathlon. Right. It's hard to get more closely involved with sports than being an Olympic gold medal athlete. In the decathlon, no less. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I understand what he's trying to say that, like, this, this is kind of a media circus thing and this is like a, a play for ESPN to get more eyeballs on the show. But that's what the ESPN award show is for. It's just to get viewers on. And, and of course, giving this award to Caitlyn Jenner would do that. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve it. Well, and I think this speaks to how when Caitlyn Jenner came out on the cover of Vanity Fair last week, it was such a big deal. And the most of the media response to it was super positive. I mean, you saw really positive headlines, national news, national te- television news. But there is a backlash to that. There has been, especially a few days after and a week after, there has been this bubbling up of, like, like you know, of people being upset about it. And the biggest example of that that we've seen besides this Bob Costas piece was um, this editorial that was in the New York Times this Sunday um, by a writer named Eleanor Burkett. And the piece is titled, uh, What Makes a Woman? And it's basically a, a feminist response to um, to transgender inclusion. So these are sort of second wave feminists, I would say, who um, don't think that transgender people should be part of feminism and shouldn't be considered women. So a transgender woman like Caitlyn Jenner, they're saying, is not actually a woman, no matter what she says, no matter about the hard fought pieces of government ID that say that you know, she, she's a woman, she's not a woman. We just published a response piece to that editorial um, on bitchmedia.org yesterday that was written by a trans woman writer for bitch named Leela Janelle, who's great. You should look up all of her work. And uh, she wrote this piece that was like, yes, Caitlyn Jenner is a woman. Like, why are we still having this debate? And when we, when we published that, there was a huge backlash to bitch. I mean, I just spent my entire morning <laughs> going through... <laughs> going through our Facebook page, uh, hiding and deleting transphobic comments. And there was a huge pile on on our social media last night, too. As soon as we published that article, people who are sort of trans-exclusionary feminists saying, why are you promoting this kind of thing? Why are you promoting this person? Um, and that, to me, really signals that, like, for all the for all the rah-rah around, you know, people like Caitlyn Jenner, it's there's still a real need for that visibility and there's a need to keep pushing on it it's not like cool that happened now everyone agrees now we're on the same page like we are not it's very clear from all of the comments i had to wade through this morning that that even as feminists people are not on the same page with this right and i and i think that another troubling thing about bob costas making this argument is that uh, on face value he's saying you know it's not like a transphobic remark that he said that she's not she shouldn't get this award that they're theoretically other more deserving people but it kind of uh, downplays like the the vast amount of um work that goes like emotional work that somebody must go through to to come out like this so publicly in the world and culture where that is largely um not familiar with trans folks and that are showing it by being really transphobic uh so 
I mean, like, the, the, there's the first part where, like, his comments are disingenuous because uh, this award has been given to folks who have nothing to do with sports um, or, or, or have had sports career that were, like, decades in the past. Um, like, Muhammad Ali was given this award, I think, 20 years after his last match or something like that. So there's that aspect where he's saying that, like, there are other people who are more deserving who are more connected to sports. And then there's the aspect of saying that, like, um, just because there's a lot of media attention to this, it doesn't negate the fact that Caitlyn Jenner can also be deserving of the award. Yeah, and I'm really glad that she's getting an award like this because of that backlash. Right. You know, it's really important to have, like, reputable places like ESPN say, hey, what you're doing is important, no matter what the commenters or the editorialists say. So next up, we're talking about Jerry Seinfeld's very profound, deep thoughts on... (laughs) <laughs> on PC culture policing comedy. Uh, can you spell out what happened, Amy? Oi vey. All right. Are <laughs> <laughs> you saying oi vey? Or is that I, I actually do say oi vey in my daily life. <laughs> I learned it from my one of my best friends in high school. Uh, so last week, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was on another sports talk radio show talking What's about... What's going on with the sports talk radio shows? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's where they're getting all the scoops. All the problematic scoops. <laughs> um to talk uh and um in this interview uh he was on the show called the herd with colin coward which it's on espn and um on the show he talks about how um he feels like pc culture uh is bad for comedy is dam is like damaging to comedy i i i don't play colleges but i hear a lot of people tell me don't go near colleges they're so pc hey i'll give you an example my daughter's 14 uh, my mother, my mother, my wife says to her, um, well, you know, in the next couple of years, I, I think maybe you're going to want to hang around the city more on the weekends so you can see boys. You know, my daughter says, she says, that's sexist. Isn't that, you know, it's amazing. That, they, they, they just want to use these words. That's racist. That's sexist. That's prejudice. They don't even know what they're talking about. Does it, does it hurt? Comedy? Yes, it does. See, this is like a conversation that comedians have been having for a long time. This has been going on a lot in comedy. And I feel like the answer is always the same, which is, well, there's two things. One is you can say whatever you want on stage. You just also have to be prepared for people responding to it in more vocal ways than ever now, thanks to the Internet. So it's not like censoring you. You can still say what you want. You just have to deal with the repercussions of that. And two, like... Like your jokes should be should should not be punching down. You know that's what people are responding to is people relying on like sort of cheap racist or sexist tropes as well as like like making fun of people who have less power than them. You know it makes like and I think it's I think it's like sad to hear like I think if you're I think if you're a comedian you're like a professional comedian and like young people are saying they don't like your jokes like you should listen to those people. You know if you go to a college right. campus and you're not making college kids laugh like i think rethink the jokes you're telling because it's not like young people are like some sort of humorless monolith right and uh and i think that i mean he's 61 years old now he's a multi-billionaire or whatever he doesn't have to work anymore and it just seems like sour grapes it's like uh, people aren't laughing at these jokes and he actually points out a specific joke um in the seth myers bit and he was upset that nobody like people were like you know, scoffing at his joke. And it's like, it's not their, it's not your audience's fault that they don't like your joke. Your joke isn't good. Um, And I think that another thing about hearing Jerry Seinfeld say this is that uh, I love Seinfeld, the show. 
and uh, I watched it growing up and it's like absurd and ridiculous and it's a great you know form of escape uh, and 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 having just hearing Jerry say these things it made me have an epiphany like literally this week I was thinking about it uh, about trying to wrestle like how much I love Seinfeld versus like this who this guy is now and it made me realize that you know uh, Seinfeld back in the day it was framed as a show about nothing and um, and that's why it was so great it was just a bunch of wacky adventures of like these four central cast members uh, but in thinking about it now in hindsight it's like it wasn't a show about nothing it was a show about in in a specific in a way it was a show about privilege that they didn't have to think about anything you know they can just go around and have all these weird things happening to them because they didn't have to grapple with like larger social justice issues and it doesn't mean that like uh, every sitcom on television has to do that or any sitcom on television has to do that but at the core of it like that's what he is about then and and, it, and like realizing this like blew my mind it's like oh I love this show that's just about white people running around New York City you know doing like obsessing over soup or uh or like uh you know a water balloon contest or whatever totally random things or like their ability to not jerk off for all, like who can do it the longest so it just it blew my mind that uh, uh, you know, I, I was that I, I am still a fan of the show, but now, now knowing that he feels this way, it definitely colors how I will watch the syndicated reruns from now on. Like you, you are much more likely to see it as like, oh, look at these people who have so much extra time to like hang out at the coffee shop and complain about their lives. Yeah, like at the delicatessen, <laughs> eating their big salads and uh, going to birthday parties where they buy buy their friends like really expensive massage chairs. These are the things that like <laughs> now I'll never be able to. I mean, I'm, now you know what? I'm just mad that he ruined Seinfeld for me because I was fine being like blight, like uh, you know, blissfully ignorant about. What the true core of what that show stood for and now that he said these remarks uh you know now when i watch that show i'm just gonna be kind of uh, like oh jerry and your billions yeah right i'm not sure he's actually a billionaire maybe he's more like a um, millionaire yeah with lots of cars yeah. although i know he doesn't own all those cars on the comedy co getting coffee with comedy <laughs> comedians or whatever yeah sometimes it kind of reminds me of like you ever go see a, a one of your favorite bands play and then they talk like the banter in between just makes you be like oh yeah i don't actually <laughs> like i don't actually like the people who are making this great music that's kind of how i feel with a lot of celebrities on social media uh where once you find out what they're actually like you're like oh i really like the work you made but you as a person seem like an out of touch right. 61 year old millionaire yeah and it, and it does and it does color how you view their, their yeah. work from the past, which is kind of sad. Uh, also, random pro tip uh, for those folks who are uh, fans of Roseanne, the, the sitcom. Never uh, follow Roseanne on Twitter. <laughs> no, that wasn't what I was going to say. <laughs> no. Uh, no, but DJ, DJ Tanner, the kid on the show, he makes a cameo in Seinfeld. And if I'm remembering correctly, and I have an awful memory, he is in ep season nine, episode nine, and he plays a clerk at like a frozen yogurt store or a, an ice cream shop. That's what is that is that the kind of thing you care about? Is These that... are the kind of random like I I was like waiting for days for that episode to come on so I could see DJ Tanner on Seinfeld, and he was on it. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. <laughs> Let's get to the end of the show. <laughs> okay, we're at the end of Back Talk where we talk about one thing we saw, one thing we read, and one thing we heard this week. I'm going to start off with something I saw because I'm really excited about it. I want to go see the new movie Spy starring Melissa McCarthy as a spy. Um, I was hesitant about going to see it because the trailers make it look 
terrible. The trailers are like, uh, Melissa McCarthy is like this incompetent spy and she like trips over things all the time. Very bumbling. Bumbling, yeah. you know. But the actual movie is like really smart, really funny, and she's a super competent spy actually. And the rest of the cast who are like smooth James Bond types are constantly underestimating her and devaluing her because she's a kind of quiet, middle-aged, fatter woman. And they're like, oh, you can't do anything. And then actually that winds up hurting them in the end because she can do, she's great. She's She can jump, she can run, she can shoot people, she can figure stuff out, she can MacGyver different tools that she needs. So the movie was super fun. I was laughing the whole way through. And uh, we have a more in-depth review online at bitchmedia.org if you want to read like more criticism of it but basically don't trust the trailer go see melissa mccarthy and spy awesome uh so in the one thing uh we read this week i went to give a shout out to um this website called the nerds of and um they're a website where you know contributors of color write about like superhero sci-fi fantasy or video games and it's a celebration of like nerd and geek fandom from a different perspective and i was turned on to them um or i found a link from them because they did a piece about um emma stone being in aloha uh, right so she was cast as a role in this new movie right aloha yes where she plays a character named allison ing who's supposed to be a quarter chinese a quarter uh hawaiian and half white but but we all know what Emma Stone looks like, and she's... She's red hair, white. Yeah, yeah. she's very, very white. And so uh, in this piece, uh, this blog post that they call, these actresses are not Asian or Pacific Islanders, they point out that, like, you know, the how uh, white or, like, white folks tend to get, or other non-Asian folks are being casted in Asian roles. So they did this handy list of... Um, of Asian or biracial or multiracial actors who... A feat, like actresses who um, who could have played Alison Ng and it's like a rundown of all these available people who could work who aren't getting hired um, so that was like my entry point to this awesome website and it's a uh, it's great to it's a great way to look at different pop culture things that like I'm not necessarily super into like video games but <laughs> but from a perspective that like I actually like and am interesting in, in looking at and also the editor of the website uh, is trying to make like hashtag Emma Stoned a thing <laughs> for when uh, Asian roles are being casted by non-Asian folks. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's not, yeah, there's not a word for that. Is yeah, there? maybe that would be a really sorry thing for Emma Stone if that were to happen. But why not give it a try? All right, to play you out on the show, um, we're gonna listen to a track from a musician named Jesse Jones who um, I had never heard of until a few weeks ago. Apparently, when she was a teenager, um, she was in interesting band um and then when they were 19 they sort of broke up and she like disappeared and now three years later she's back and she's playing music um and during that time she had what she's sort of described as like an existential crisis or like a sort of, like some sort of sort of mental breakdown of some kind and now her new album which is a self-titled album which is coming out on burger records in July is deals a lot with sort of themes of sort of depression and self-questioning. The last type, the last song on the on the album is called Mental Illness. Um, but we're gonna listen to the single off of the record. I think she seems like a really interesting artist, Jessie Jones, and this is her song Sugar Coated. But wait, before we get into that, uh, I wanna make my prediction for the NBA finals, and I am saying Golden State in seven. Here's the song. 
Thanks for listening to Back Talk. This podcast is hosted by Sarah Merck and Amy Lamb from Bitch Media. The show is produced by Alex Ward. Bitch Media is a reader and listener supported feminist nonprofit. If you want to support the show and our work, please head over to bitchmedia.org and donate. This episode of Back Talk is brought to you by longtime bitch media sponsor Gladrags, who bring you all the essentials for a safe, sustainable period. Learn about cloth pads and menstrual cups when you sign up for their newsletter at gladrags.com and be entered to win a mini cloth pad starter set. Make sure you tell them Back Talk sent you.